Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. I want to talk to you about the ministry of believers. A lot of people have mindsets about ministry, and some people feel like, well, that's what we pay the preacher to do. You know, that's their job, is to do the ministry. Um, Some people feel like, well, I come to church, I pay my tithes, what more do you want? That should be sufficient, right? And then there are also, on the flip side of that, there are some leaders, some pastors, that don't want anybody doing anything else. They don't want you invading what they perceive to be their their turf, their territory. Y'all notice we don't have a problem here. (laughs) But, you know, a lot of people, they, I mean, I've been in churches of the years where, you know, the ministry was severely restricted. It was prohibited. You know, you had, you know, if you weren't the special one or two, you know, you didn't get to do anything. And I've had more than one one of y'all over the years say to me, you know, you know, thank God you let me do stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I let you do stuff. I make you do stuff, don't I? <laughs> Let's look over at Mark chapter 16. We'll look at this tonight. Mark 16, we talk about believers ministry training. And so this is kind of the little key verses, key passage for that. Mark 16, starting with verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. Everybody here a believer? These signs accompany you, right? In my name, they will cast out demons. He's talking about you and me, right? Yep. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. Aren't you glad that God confirms his word with signs that follow? And so when you and I go out, we're not going out by ourselves. You know, you may feel like you're all by yourself, just you and your co-worker standing in front of the water cooler that may feel like, well, Jesus, are you here? But he has promised that he would confirm the word with signs following, that those who believe will lay hands upon the sick and they'll see them recover. Isn't that right? Feels good, doesn't it, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Hallelujah. Those who believe will cast out devils. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? Sure it is. Yeah, it's loads of fun. All right. It's those who have believed. You know, I was talking to um, uh, some ladies this week, and, and uh, somebody had brought up the idea that, it is, that believers can baptize in water and can minister communion. And, you know, that's a radical concept for a lot of people. Maybe it is for a couple of you. You never thought about that before. But you know what? That's not supposed to be just the realm of the preacher. It doesn't say that in the Bible, you know. You can baptize people. You can offer communion, you know, minister communion with them. A lot of people get nervous about that. And this lady was saying, well, I don't know if I want to do that. And I'm like, well, why? And she says, well, there's that whole verse in there about judgment if you screw it up or something. (laughs) I said, well, 
it's the whole issue of communion and, you know, taking unworthily. I says, that's between the person and God. You don't really have to worry about your end of it. I mean, you can, you know, read the verses, you know, but that's between them and God. You know, we, we don't need to let man-made traditions and restrictions hinder us from being the priest of God that we're called to be. Amen? And let's just do that. I've, I know sometimes, um, you know, sometimes we've had communion just at Thanksgiving, you know, with the family around the table. Just, you know, because we're all believers and we want to give thanks to God. We've done things like that. I, um, you know, I know of people who have baptized their own children. And I think that's fine if you're going to do that. Just have witnesses so they don't think you're just, you know, having a bath or something. But, you know, but, but <laughs> well, you know, because baptism is, is, you know, that's an event that is noteworthy. And so, yeah, let's give it the respect and everything that it is accorded. So, as the scripture's been pretty clear here that we are to go into the world, preach, and signs are going to follow us. As we go and we speak the word, well, you don't have to get up in front of a pulpit, in front of a crowd of people. Some of you do, but you don't all have to do that. But wherever you're going, as you're talking, as you're bringing forth the word of God, bringing forth the truth of the Lord, then signs are going to follow you. When you go and you, you tell people, well, I can pray for you, I can lay hands upon you, God will heal you, and then you do it and God will heal them. You know, every time we get out there on the limb and we're saying, okay, God's going to come through for you. How many of that's out there on the limb when you're telling somebody, God's going to come through for you? But you know what? It's his reputation, not ours. It's his reputation. He said, we believe, we lay hands upon the sick, and then they will recover. Hallelujah. You know, in the Old Testament, there were three categories of people who were anointed by the Holy Spirit, who were empowered with special authority and special um, ministry. And they were the priest and the prophet and the king. You know, back in the Old Testament, the, the servants of God did not have the Holy Spirit the way that you and I do. You know, they were people who were under the law of God and they were obedient. Many of them were obedient and righteous, but they did not have the interaction with the Holy Spirit the way that you and I do. And in Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you have the priests, and, and as you know, they were the Levitical tribe, right? They were, you were born into the family, there goes, you were working in the priesthood. You were, had a job in the temple, that was what you did, because you were born as a Levite. And so the, the Levites, now the Levites came, the priest and the high priest, they were selected. And you know, the high priest was the only one who got to go into the Ark of the Covenant every year. He got to go in with the mercy seat and bring the blood. Nobody else got to do that, you know. And the, the other priests would minister the sacrifices. They had the burnt offerings that were going on outside. And so there were, as a, as a believer in God, you came in and you brought your sacrifice, but the priest was the one that presented it on your behalf before God. You didn't get to, to cut it and burn it and do the whole thing. It was the priest that did it before you. Well, in the New Testament, you know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we have been made priests, the Bible teaches us. So we have the ability to pray for other people, to minister as priests to God. You know, when the priest came, he didn't come with his own sin, he, to sacrifice, he came with some person's 
sacrifice for sin. And so a priest is an intercessory type of a position to where we can bring other people before the Lord and we can ask God to move and to forgive their sin and move in their lives. We've seen tremendous things happen, right? The Word of God also tells us in James 5, 16, Therefore confess your sins one to another that, and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's confessing of sin is back and forth between one another so that healing can come as well. You know, we don't have to, aren't you glad? You don't have to just wait until you have your weekly confessional with the priest. You don't have to wait for somebody else to go to God on your behalf. The Bible teaches us there is one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so in the New Testament, we are priests. All right, in the Old Testament, you have the prophet. Now, of course, naturally, we have New Testament prophets. But the unique position that the prophet held at that time was he's the only guy that hears from God and speaks it out. Do you know that in the New Testament, we have a better covenant? Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that for you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. In 1 Corinthians 14, 31 and 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, For to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So now, if somebody's got, you know, back in the day, remember with Naaman, he had leprosy and he wanted to get healed. So what happened? He went to go find the prophet in Israel to get healed. You know, now people don't have to go wait and go find Benny Hinn. They got you. They got me, right? As we are, we have that same Holy Spirit and we have that same authority to be able to pray for the sick and to see healings and miracles as well. Well, also in the Old Testament, kings, they were the ones that had, they were anointed with God, with authority and power. In the New Testament, we have also been made, the Bible says, kings and priests unto our God. And so we have a spiritual authority that's been given to us to legislate, to rule in the spirit realm, to see change happen in the natural realm. And we do this through intercession, but we also do this through authority, through declaration. Also, that element of authority has to do with demons has to do with taking them over, getting rid of them, driving them out. We have authority. Remember what happened when the disciples began to cast out demons and the crowds were just shocked because they'd never seen it before. You know, that is something if you've never seen before. It's kind of an interesting thing to happen, right? But they had never seen it happen before because nobody seemed to walk in that kind of authority. And the things that people said about Jesus was, wow, he speaks to demons and they obey him. Wow. That's pretty impressive because they recognized Jesus was walking in an authority from God. Well, guess what? He also said, behold, in, the chapter, in, uh, Luke, in Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall injure you. You know, Jesus has given us that same authority over demons. And so now when we give the command, the demon also leaves and departs. Hallelujah. The word also tells us in 1 Peter 4.11, Whoever speaks is to, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever. So God is saying that when we are, when we are making declaration, whether it's intercession, whether it's prophecy, whether it's commanding demons or commanding miracles or commanding healing, we're to do so with the boldness of God. 
because it's authority of somebody who has the authority to make those type of spiritual transactions. Hallelujah. I tell you what, I don't like wimpy praying. I don't like wimpy praying. Oh, please God, please God, please God, if it be your will for Jesus' sake, amen. I don't like wimpy praying. I like commanding praying. I like declaring praying. But people who act like God's alive and that God is wanting to do something, hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus also told us in John 14, amazing thing, 14, 12, he who believes in me, what he say? He'll not only do the works that, that Jesus has done, but will even do greater works. That just blows me away. Does that blow you away? Greater works than what Jesus has done. You see, he, it's because he has given us authority to act in his name. And so that's the whole thing. It's like we've got a better authority, a better anointing than they had in the Old Testament. We have a greater anointing than the Old Testament priests, prophets, and kings because that was just a one person, one deal. Hey, we've got the many-member body of Christ. The anointing is passed around, spread, multiplied. There's more people here that are anointed in this room than there was at any given moment in Israel. Because <laughs> you only got one king, maybe had maybe two, three prophets at the most, right? And a priest or two, high priest, one a year. I mean, you didn't have very many. A few people, look at that. We got more, more people anointed with the Holy Spirit right in here. I think it's time to do some greater stuff. Let's start out doing the stuff Jesus did. How about that? Let's start out doing that. Anybody walk on water lately? Multiply some food. Heal some, you know, crippled people, some deformed people. Heal some people. That's what I'm for. I'm for, I'm for creative miracles. I am for creative miracles. We've seen a few. We've seen a few, but boy, not like we're going to. Not like we're going to. Hallelujah. So, you know, I don't want to hold anybody back from ministry. I don't want to hold people back. I want to push you forward. I want to inspire you and encourage you and equip you so that you can do the very things that Jesus has called you to do. And so that you can go out there and come back in here and say, I got testimonies. I did some greater stuff last week. And that'd be awesome. That's awesome. You know, let's look over at Ephesians chapter 4. You know, I spent a number of years being involved with a church that didn't let people do very much, was afraid to let people do very much. And I found out, you know what, people really learn by doing, and you've got to create some safe places for them to learn and to practice. You've got to create that, because nobody does everything perfectly the first time, Right? How about the first time you tried to ride a bicycle? Did you fall down maybe once or twice before you kind of got the hang of it? Then when you started steering, it kind of wobbly, kind of shaky. It took a while until you got pretty good at it, right? Well, same thing happens a lot of times with spiritual ministry. As I've been telling you guys, you guys have been the guinea pigs for the spiritual roots things because we're still hacking out how, how's the best way to do it. You know, we're getting really good results. But we're kind of doing debriefs after all these sessions and going, well, that didn't go so well, or, or we could have sped this up, or we could have swapped that around, or we did the different order. Or, you know, we're talking about better ways to minister so that we're more effective. And, uh, and so a lot of it, we're just kind of learning as we're going. I'm so glad God lets us do that. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God lets you learn? Yeah. I tell you what, 
There's a lot of people that are so terrified of making a mistake or being wrong, they don't ever try anything. And, you know, it's like when, when we were children growing up, I mean, we fell down a few times trying to learn how to walk, you know. We, we you know, misspelled some words when we were first trying to learn how to write and, and to, you know, spell. We made some mistakes, but guess what? We learn from it and we go forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service for the building of the body of Christ. This word equipping in verse 12, it says perfecting in the King James Version. This means, I looked it up, complete adjustment. Ha! (laughs) Complete adjustment. We talk about needing to get adjusted, you know, and we need to adjust to the Word of God. We need to adjust the Spirit of God. Sometimes we receive a word of correction that adjusts us in an attitude or adjusts us in a behavior. And so equipping means complete adjustment. Well, that was pretty good. The word equipping also is the same word that's used to mean to fix something that's broken, as in mending the nets. The same word is used there in Matthew about fixing the the nets that are torn, fixing something that's broken, or the word equipping also means to supply something that is lacking. There's the verse in 1 Thessalonians 3.10 when he says that, Paul says, we want to come and to complete what is lacking in your faith. It's that same word of equip. So equip is to completely adjust, to fix what's broken, and supply what's lacking. So that means that we need five-fold ministers to get in the middle of our stuff and fix what's broken. Let's get you healed. Let's get your wounds healed. Let's get your demons cast out. Let's get you, you know, whatever we got to do, physical healing, emotional, whatever, get you healed. It also means to put into things that you lack. Maybe you've got some, some raw material that needs to be worked on a little bit. Maybe we need to work on a little bit of your protocol or work on a little bit of your style or some things of your character to fix those things that are broken, to supply those things that are lack. And so, and to adjust the things that are not producing in your life. So sometimes you come to church and I preach something that really pretty much straightens people out, you know, or you get one of my little famous emails where I'm correcting and adjusting and saying, look, this is what needs to happen. We need to have something happen. And uh, from time to time, you know, we all have to go through it and get through. But what's the reason for all of that fixing and supplying and adjusting? In verse 12, what's the reason that we have fivefold ministers to fix, supply, and adjust us? It's for the works of service. It's for the works of ministry. Why are we getting all fixed? Why are you messing with me? Why are you sending me one more email, Donna? Why are you on my case? Get off my back. Why don't you leave me alone? I know you don't say anything like that. It may go inside your head. I've had some of you tell me I was really steamed, but that's okay. You got over it. You know, you got over it. What's the purpose? It's so that your ministry is effective. It's so your ministry is effective. Because God wants you to function as a priest, prophet, and king in a new, as a New Testament believer. And he wants you to be effective when you go minister. So when you go out there and you preach the gospel, those signs are following you. 
You're getting, you know, a lot of healings happening when you're praying for people. You're getting a lot of answers to prayer. You're getting a lot of insight in solving people's problems. It's so that you're able to be an effective minister. That's why we go through all the fixing, all the adjusting, all the supplying that's going on. And the purpose is works of service, so we understand it's to make you into a servant or make you into a minister. Do you know that we are living in a very much uh, independent society where people don't want anybody to mess with them. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do. And we're so independent. It's kind of an every man for himself kind of a thing that we have in our country, you know. But it's also, in many ways, is very self-centered and very selfish. A lot of people don't really care about ministering to anybody else because I got a full schedule, I got my own family, I got my own concerns. But you know what? That has to be adjusted. That attitude has to be adjusted because your life is not just about your family, your job, your business. Your life also includes your ministry. Amen. Is that the truth? Does that make sense to you? Seeing that in your Bible, right? This all making sense to you. Good. I'm so glad I have your agreement. So, so that means everybody has some form of ministry to fulfill. Something. Many of you will not stand and, you know, have a microphone in front of your face, for which you're eternally grateful, I'm sure. I found out lots of people really just shaking their boots at the thought about somebody putting a microphone on their face, you know. But uh, praise God, most of you will not have to worry about that, not be concerned about that at all. And, you know, you don't have to be like me. I release you. (laughs) You do not have to be like me, you know. Every now and then somebody's like, well, I don't do it the way you do it. I'm like, okay, okay. There's more than one brand, you know, long we're all believers. We're flowing in love and the Holy Spirit. It's okay if your style, a little different from mine, we adhere to some central core values, some central core guidelines, that sort of thing, ethics, that sort of thing. But when it comes down to it, I'm an original, and you should be an original as well. Okay. I heard someone say one time, uh, be a voice, not an echo. I like that. Be a voice, not an echo. Basically, be yourself. And not try to, you know, impress anybody. That's the best way to work. Okay, so the ministry of saints. So it's getting us fixed and adjusted and supplied so that we will be effective ministers. And what's the purpose of getting all these people actively involved in ministry? It's the building up of the body of Christ. This is all about building the whole body, not just building the individual parts. You see? You know, sometimes sometimes we're not understanding the the widespread application of that. But listen, how many of you have ever had a a toothache or you've you've stubbed your toe or you've had some little tiny body part that was causing you some discomfort, right? Did that affect the rest of your body? <laughs> Absolutely. It affected how you maybe walked or what you, which side of your mouth you chewed on or something, but that one little body part affected your overall feeling. And I've heard people say, you know, when your feet are, t- are tired and hurt, you feel tired all over. 
right? There have been sometimes it's just like one little body part not functioning properly has, has just kind of knocked your whole thing out. I remember one time years ago I had a inflammation in my feet and I was out with my sister and we were out this sightseeing thing and I was so aggravated that because my feet were hurting I could not continue. I had the energy to do it. I had the time to do it, but because of my feet I had to stop, you know. That was a really that was a really disappointing thing for me. Well, think about this in the body of Christ. You know that in the body of Christ, we've got people they don't think they're important. They don't think what they do is important. They don't think their ministry is important because they're not like you know, Mr. Big Preacher over here. They're not like, you know, Miss Flamboyant, whatever there. And so they think that what they do is not that important, not that valuable. So guess what? They're not functioning as God called them to function. What's happening to the overall body? The overall body is suffering because somebody is not doing what God's called them to do. Okay? All right. The goal here is to build up the whole body of Christ. So the aim of your ministry as a Christian is to build the whole. Because let's look at it this way. We've, we were commenting some about this last week, about some of the wonderful change and healing and things we've seen in some of our folks over the years, okay? So let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Skip for illustration, okay? Thank you, you love me? All right. How many of y'all remember when? Okay, all right. Many of you didn't know, didn't know him then, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Way back in the day, he wouldn't say two words to anybody. I mean, he slipped in, showed up once in a while, and then slipped out. Didn't smile, didn't speak to people. Am I telling the truth? Y'all remember? That's how it was, right? Well, guess what? He had all of these locked up gifts in him that we had no clue, did we? I mean, if you didn't have revelation from God, you had no clue there was anything going on here. Well, then what happened? The Holy Ghost set him free. Next thing you know, we stand there with our jaws dropped. (laughs) We were there that day. I was there that day. We were all like... (laughs) Because the transformation was so radical... Well, Sheila was gone to Africa, right? She came home. What happened to him, you know? <laughs> and because, you know, the transformation was so radical. And it has been such a joy and delight. Since that time, the man turned into a praying, prophesying machine. I put him in charge of the intercessors. Put him in charge on the prophetic team. Just turned him loose, you know? And... How have our lives all been enriched because one person entered into their ministry? I mean, now that's a very visible thing, you know. But we've got many other people that have quiet, you know, quiet ministries that it was like somebody was saying, oh, it's good to have Jen back here tonight. I said, yeah, she leaves a big hole when she's gone. <laughs> when she's gone, there's this mammoth hole there, you know, because she does so much, and she has, you know, she has opened and extended herself, and her ministry is in many different areas. And so she does a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff that later you're going, 
Oh, well, that didn't get done. Oh, that's because she was gone to Minnesota or somewhere. She was gone. That's why it didn't get done. And, it, and there's all these things that a lot of times that we're not even aware, you know, you're not aware. You know, it's kind of like when, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you know when you have really good service? When you have really good service, that means they're do, doing their job so well, you actually don't notice them. You're involved in conversation with who you're having dinner with, right? If the service is bad, you're going, where is that server? I need my tea refilled, right? But when the service is really good, they just come, they slip up to you, they don't interrupt you, you know? They're just going about their business, and you're like, I, ha I was sitting there having breakfast one time, talking to a pastor, and he said, when they refill my coffee? <laughs> because <laughs> they just slipped up and just, you know, refilled the coffee and kept going. Because good service was working and it was very effective. You know what, folks? No matter what God has called you to do, whether you're doing it or not, has having an effect on the rest of us. The end result of you doing your ministry is that the whole body is built up, is encouraged, is stronger, right? So an individual gets healed, they get blessed, that's fine. But overall, it's meant to build and to strengthen the church. Let's look at verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. So how long are we supposed to have this going on? Yeah, until, until we all get there. That's right. And notice it's talking about unity, not diversity. I mean, we live in a society, it's all diversity, right? Diverse, diversity. But, but he's talking about unity of the faith. You know, there's places in the Bible where it says that we need to speak the same thing. You know, in 1 Corinthians 1, 9 or somewhere, about we need to speak the same thing, having no divisions among us. That means we have this, and it says to have the same mind and the same judgment. You know, there's a unity that comes when we're all pulling together, hearing from God, receiving the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So the purpose here is until we attain to unity. Now, unity does not mean uniformity, right? There's no two people in here that look just alike or have, you know, I mean, we're just different, right? You look at the human body, the, you know, even, you know, your, your two eyes are probably different sizes, you know? I mean, you look at half your body, you know, if you ever see that where they've taken somebody and they, they took like half of their face and they put it on the other side, it's creepy, isn't it? <laughs> because it, you know, half your face does not look like the other half. You're really not 100% symmetrical. It's just, it's adjusted, dear. And so, you know, you've got, you know, probably you've got maybe one foot so slightly, you know, different than the other foot. There's similarity, but there's not uniformity. And that's how it is in the body of Christ. We've got some similar personality, similar interests, similar ministries, right? But we're not cookie cutter. We're not identical. And so, but we are to be identical as far as unity in our faith. You know, one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? That whole thing. One. To be a unity there. And look what else it says, the middle 13. To a mature man. That means we've got to grow up. That means it was okay to be a kid when you were a kid. And when you were a new believer, it was okay. I think uh, last week or whatever, Dennis was talking about, somebody was talking about how that uh, you hang around us here, you're going to grow up. You, you're going to grow up or you're going to leave. You're going to grow up or leave. That's your choice, you know. And so, but we have seen, because, because we're serious about pushing people to maturity and to growth, 
Therefore, we watch people rapidly grow. And people who, I've been in some churches to where I've seen, you know, people, they've been in church for years and years and years and they still cry babies, you know. Well, after, you know, you, when you're in a church that does a lot of discipleship, people actually begin to grow. They actually begin to, you know, take their lumps and get their adjustments and learn and get through it and overcome. And I had been praying, people, pass your test. Pass your test. Tests come all the time. You've got to pass. You've got to pass. You can't, you can't fail. <laughs> I'm just praying, pass, pass. You know, the test will, will end when you pass. Oh, I wish I'd get through with this. Well, do the right thing and it'll get over with. No? That was for free. Okay. <laughs> These little nuggets, I know. Okay. Look, okay. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, notice it's every joint supplies, every joint. You ever have anything out of joint? You ever have any kind of, those are painful. Get something out of joint, that's painful. Okay, and then it says, according to the proper working of each individual part. Have you ever had one of your joints stuck, frozen shoulder or anything like that? Oh my goodness, get a crick in your neck, something where it, you didn't have the flexibility and movement that you wanted to have. Do you know when one of your body parts is not working right like that, it does mess with the rest of you. It's really important for all of our body parts to be properly working, to be properly functioning. Because it says right here, this causes the growth of the body for the building of itself in love. You know, it's in your bulletin tonight, and we've talked about it somewhat this evening, that we have opportunities for ministry. And so, please understand, my job is not to do ministry, it's to equip people to do ministry. And so, as whereas I enjoy prophesying or praying for people or this or that, casting out demons, that stuff is fun, I enjoy all that, but... The greater joy for me is to train you to do it. I go sit down, you go do it, and you have a great time. When you come back, even the demons are subject to me. I'm like, oh, yes. They're like, signs and wonders are following me. Oh, yes. I prayed and I got a miracle. Oh, yes. That's what I'm after, you know. And, and so, you know, please understand, ministry is just not my job. This is not what I do. My job is equipping you to do it because God is uniquely gifted and called you. And you know what? It'll, it's a place of discovery to find out how you're gifted and called. You know, some people, they just know. They have a real heart for a certain thing. They're hungry for it. That's what they want to do. And they jump in with both feet and that's what they want to do. Other people don't. Other people are just kind of, well, I don't know. Let me just try a few things. Hey, try a few things. You try and you're going to find something. You know, it's, it's hard to move a parked car. It's like, get moving. God can steer you, but go try something. You know, sometimes we've had people that come to our dream interpretation workshop, 
And they leave there and they go, this is not for me. I'm like, okay, okay. It will help you understand your own dream somewhat, but okay. We have people that, they, you know, they get excited about the healing. You know, we want to we learn to minister healing. And other people are like, that is not, that's not me. I can pray for somebody once in a while, but that's just not me. You know, let's find out what it is that God has uniquely called and gifted you to do. You know, there are, when you are doing what God has gifted you to do, there's a lot of freedom in it. There's a lot of satisfaction in it. You know, when you're trying to do other things, there's not, I mean, sometimes we do things because it's needed or out of duty, responsibility. Sometimes we do things. But, you know, there's not the thrill and the joy when you're doing what you're uniquely made to do. And so it's kind of a thing, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. So God's got this hidden little mystery about what he wants you to do. And so many Christians say, well, I just need to know. What's God want me to do? What's God want me to do? I'm like, go try something. Go find something. I learned a long time ago, you know what? Children's ministry is not my thing. (laughs) I mean, I did it. And it just wasn't very good, y'all. It just wasn't, you know. I could work with my own kids somewhat, but I tell you what, it just, you know, I would just come out there and I'm like, you know, this is not my anointing. But I had a friend, I had a best friend at the time. She was one of the most anointed, powerful children's ministers I've ever seen. And the kids just loved her, you know. The kids loved her, they flocked to her, and she was thrilled and she would do Bible studies with these kids and I don't even know if you remember it Sarah you were so little you were like four and uh, but but she would have the kids over I mean just you know had the kids over in the afternoon and she's doing Bible study and stuff with all the kids and they absolutely loved her and I was like God bless you you have a gift from God because I just couldn't produce anywhere near of what she was doing so that's okay because you know what my primary calling is not to minister to children I can. I've learned some things, but that's not my primary thing. So I'm much happier doing what I'm gifted to do. Hallelujah. And so are you. All right. Let's turn over to Romans 12 for last scripture. Romans 12. You know, ministry is also, it's also a place that helps you grow up. You know, we, we learn... We become more proficient through repeated ministry opportunities. You know, you get better at it after a while. You learn a few things after a while. And it's also a place where many times you have to learn to work with other people and learn teamwork. Also, God will work on your character in ministry settings. And many times in ministry settings in a way that will not get worked on in other settings. Because in ministry settings, a lot of times you're having to work on things like teamwork, having to work on things like not getting your feelings hurt, um, things like learning to prefer one another, and, you know, and avoiding the uh, politics that so many people get into. But it will grow you up. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. You see, you got a measure of faith. It's coming to you from God. I just want to make sure that stuff is being perfected. Your faith is being active. That is, you are actively laying hands upon the sick. You're actively reaching out with the heart, with the gifts that God has given you to minister to other people. Verse 4, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, hallelujah, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you all don't have the same function as me? Well, sure you are, yeah. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Everybody on the prophetic team knows that one, right? We prophesy according to our faith. This also means that we put ourselves in positions to grow our faith so that we can prophesy more, deeper, longer, right? The first time that many people start prophesying, they're doing good to get one word and one phrase for one person, maybe once in a while. And then as after time progresses and you put yourself in a position where you allow me to stretch you and to pour the word into you and pull on you, then guess what? You find out, well, I can prophesy to two people, to three people, to seven people, to 12 people, to 15 people, and then, Donna, is it time to go home yet? Right. Well, we've had some of those things. Maybe you heard me tell the story of the time, you know, Jen and I worked through lunch prophesying at a seminar. Somebody else found out we were prophetic. So we had the line that went, everybody else went to lunch and left us there to prophesy <laughs> for I don't know how long we did that. All the way through lunch, I don't know, a couple hours or something. And after a while, you're thinking, I would like some lunch too. But um, you see, God works on your character during times like that. Mm-hmm. He does. Because, you know, people are inconsiderate. Did y'all know that? <laughs> people can be really inconsiderate. You know, I, that, that, that time several years ago, I prophesied. I was prophesying four hours. It was 2 o'clock in the morning after I preached. And somebody said, you look really tired. I said, I am really tired. But then it was their turn for a word. <laughs> so, I mean, they don't care if you're tired. They just want their word, right? I'm telling you the truth about how ministry is. People get all excited. Ooh, glamorous ministry. Ministry is laying your life down. It's yourself at the expense of other people. And many times it's your, your financial expense as well. The Good Samaritan, he pulled out of his own pocket to minister to a stranger, didn't he? Didn't he? He pulled out of his own pocket. There are times ministry, it does, it is financial. You give, you know, maybe to give to somebody else's needs like that or to go to a seminar to get some training. You expend yourself so that you may be more effective in your ministry to other people. Okay, let's see, where was I? Verse uh, verse 7. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, you know, if you need to get, you know, you think about it. 
somebody who is a real exhorter. That's the person you go to when you need somebody to pump you up again, don't you? When you need to get pumped up, call Skip. He'll pump you up. He'll get you full of faith. He'll get you charged up, going. <laughs> yeah, give him, the, give him the phone number, yeah. He'll pump you up. He'll get you going, right? You know, we have people like that in our lives. That, you know, people, I, other people I know in my life, that that person is who I go to because they have such a gift of exhortation, a nice, friendly kick in the pants to get you going and doing the right thing, you know? People in your life that you know that they may be going through their own stuff, but that gift of exhortation will come out and they will plow through and help you believe God and get through. Hallelujah. All right. Next one. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Nine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. You know what? When we care about one another, then we're going to show them mercy, exhortation. We're going to be diligent to lead them. We're going to be faithful to minister, right? You know, if you know that you have gifts of healing and you know that there's people, you know, in our church that are hurting, that need healing, don't stay home. Get your gifts stirred up and get over there. Right? If you've got gifts of healing, extend yourself to people who are sick. Because healthy people don't need you. Sick people need you. Right? If you've got gifts of wisdom and counsel, put it out there for somebody. Write something, counsel somebody, preach something. Get it out there to help some people. How many of y'all been helped by somebody else just putting it out there? Somebody else wrote a book or did a teaching or sat across the table with you with a cup of coffee and, and helped you sort through. And when somebody else had a gift from God that you could really draw upon. Amen? I had some wonderful ministry back in November. I'm telling you what, I love to watch people who are anointed just do what God's called them to do. I've seen, I, I've seen in this, this past several months, I've seen two people with such a powerful, unique spirit of counsel on them. I just sat there in awe. I was sitting there this one time, this gal looked at me and she says, do you want to jump in? I go, no. <laughs> I was like, this is so wonderful. This, I was watching her minister. It was just amazing, you know. It's the spirit of counsel. You know what? If that's you, get out there. Help somebody. Okay. This is my exhortive thing. All right. I'm exhorting you to be devoted to one another in love, all right? And to give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, Persevering in tribulation. That means hanging in there when it gets tough and it's not, no longer fun. Hanging in there when it's tough, folks. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. And practicing hospitality. There's a lot of ministry in that passage. I believe that we can find ourselves in this passage on some level and we can find instruction here for all of us to be a better blessing to be a blessing to somebody else 
God has left you here on planet earth to be a blessing to someone else. You are somebody's answer to prayer. You know, when you talked about, when we talk about the creative miracle, when she was shared about the creative miracle tonight, you know what? It's a young man believes God, but you know what? Needed the body of Christ to get healed. You know, there are, you know, we want you to be strong and able to hear from God and connect with God and get your needs met. But God has uniquely and intentionally designed it to where we need one another. He's done it that way on purpose, okay? So seek to be a blessing because somebody is waiting for your words, waiting for your service, waiting for your teaching, waiting for your counsel. Somebody is waiting for you. You've got something that somebody else needs. And you know what happens so much of the time? The things that we're really gifted and good at, we tend to think that's no big deal. Anybody can do that. That's not true. I may have just gotten amazed by watching somebody just sing so beautifully. I was listening to somebody the other day just sang so beautifully. You know, they probably think, well, that's not that hard. You know, it's not hard. When you sing well, it's not difficult. You can hear the pitch. You can do it. When, you know, But it's the fact of the matter that they're actually using the gifts that God's given them. I remember one time going to a high school glee club concert, and there was a young girl in there and she had the kind of voice that you thought okay she'll be on American Idol I mean she was I mean everybody would just basically stop because the talent in this 16 year old girl it was amazing and yet she could have cared less about it she was bored with her singing she didn't want to practice she didn't want to do she acted like I mean it was glee club so she was going to get a grade you know but she, had, she took no joy in it. And I thought, you know, you've been given this tremendous gift that is not precious and valuable to you. And sometimes, you know, we look at what we do, we don't think it's that great. It's not that important. And sometimes we compare ourselves to somebody else who's more gifted or, you know, whatever. But you know what? We've got to, the Bible says that let a man remain in the place where he is called, you know? I don't care anything about being on TV and preaching. I don't care about it, you know. Maybe God will do that in the future, but at this point, I'm not pursuing it. I don't care anything about it, you know. I've preached to large crowds of people, pretty large, but I also have spent a long time preaching to small groups of people. But you know what? Jesus took 12 people and turned the world upside down. And my thought is, I may not preach to 3,000, but if I can preach to 30, and get them healed, straightened out, and effective in doing what God's called them to do, then the ministry got extended. You know? You never know who the next, you know, you know, Billy Graham is sitting in there. I mean, we got some babies. We don't know what God's got planned for these children necessarily. There may be some, you know, somebody the next, you know, Billy Graham. Who knows? We don't know. But we'll be faithful to do our part and to minister. Some of the people who have been the most instrumental in my life were not particularly gifted. They were not well-known. They were just ordinary believers. But one of them in particular 
had a real gift of exhortation. And he just made a remark to me one day that changed the direction that I was walking in. Because he was being led by the Spirit and he exercised his gift. You don't know. We have had people who have told us months after the fact that you don't know what your, you interpreted a dream, you gave me a prophetic word, you provided a teaching, you did this. You don't know what that meant for me. Even when we've done with, you know, with giving financially. Times that we've given, you know, just kind of prompted by the Lord to give and not know how exactly timely and serious their financial need was. But we just responded, you know, quick to God. You know what? If your gift is giving, it says to give with liberality, you know. I know people who have the gift of giving. They don't care about building a whole lot of stuff for themselves, but they love to just take buckets of money and give it away. And they are able to do so much good with what that they do, you see. And most of them, they don't want anybody to know. And lots of people who have the gift of giving, you would not know it to look at them. You think people with the gift of giving are all, you know, millionaires and they drive and they all the, have all the trappings. But all the people, most of the people, I'll say, most people I have met with the gift of giving are very, they just don't care about material stuff. Just don't care. They drive modest cars, they live in modest houses. But you look at the proportion of their giving, you know, many times they give much more than the wealthy people will give, you know. You see, your gift, whatever it is, God has uniquely called, gifted you to do, can make a powerful difference in somebody else's life. Let's seek to be a blessing. If you're already functioning in your gifts, you already got a good understanding, pretty good understanding of what your gifts are, you are already had some training or some experience, and you're doing that, then, you know, it's time to ask how I can get better. How can I improve? What can I do better about it? Okay, I gave away, you know, $2,000. How can I give away 20? Okay, I gave two prophetic words. How can I give 20? I gave one prophetic word to one person, but I really want to learn to go deeper, you know. Whatever it is, what can I do to improve that the body may be, that the body may be built up? How are we going to improve it? I want to pray for you, and then we're going to let you minister to one another. All right? Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have called us and gifted us and anointed us for signs and wonders as the many-membered body of Christ. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that we do have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you're able to instruct us, to lead us, to guide us. You're able to work miracles and healings and all kinds of life-changing things through our actions, through our prayer, through our ministry. There are so many things, Lord God. I thank you that, Lord Jesus, you are the head of your body, which is the church. And that, Lord God, that you have left us here to do the works of Jesus. And we'll even do the greater works. So, Father, I pray for all of our folks that, Father, each one would discover what their gifts are. That each one would know for the reason that you have left them here on planet earth. How come they haven't gone home to heaven? How come we're still here? That each one of us would learn and discover what your unique plan is for us. And that, Father God, we not compare ourselves to one another. That we not just wish we were somebody else, but we'll be content in how you have called us. But also that we want to be good stewards and to be um, diligent 
to improve in the areas that you've called us to minister. Hallelujah. Father, I ask you, Lord, to forgive us for being lax, for getting a little slow, for not really caring about other folks and not extending ourselves to minister to them. I ask you, Father, to forgive us, and I thank you, Lord, that we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So now, Lord God, I ask that you would encourage and bless us tonight to pursue the best gifts, the things you have for us. And Lord, to give us instruction, it's going to be good. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.